0: perish because it says that he has written the new covenant in his blood. That's the endorsement. When you sign a check on the back, someone makes it out to you and you trust that the transaction will be what you expect it to be. And that name has authority. And so, none of us are going to be judged and into uh, condemnation But we will have eternal life. He has the authority to give us that, okay? He has that authority. Go on, if you would. For God. There's this authority mixed with love. God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave, that he gave. His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Next verse, please. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Hallelujah. You know what removes us from condemnation? is his mercy, his mercy and his grace and his long suffering and his love toward us it removes all that you don't have to worry anymore if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ there'll be things in the flesh that are hard for us to deal with because we look at on the temporal sometimes well a lot of times we look on the temporal but God's got the eternal covered and that's where we're going to live forever not here Not here, but we're going to live with him. Why? Because an off-quoted scripture is, he's been given all authority and now he's ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. For every one of us, there's intercession being made. The one of all authority says, I know Kim, I know Gary, I know Lonnie. I know them and you can admit them to eternal life because they have my seal of approval on that. Hallelujah. Go to Psalm 103, verse 12. Keeping in mind that he came and died for our sins. That's why he came. Psalm 103. I know it's in here somewhere. Psalm 103, verse 12. Look here. This is what he did for us. This is what he did. It says, when he forgives our sins, when we accept his sacrifice on Calvary, as far as as the east is from the west. Think about that a minute. If we could say this end, the building is east and this building, I don't know what direction we're in right now. I think that's north. But it says he separates us. He de- de- purges our sin as far as the east is from. He says, I've separated you from your sin from the east to the west. What fills that gap? That sin is forgiven. It's put behind. And how is it put behind? By him being the bridge from east to west. He said, I will cover what you can't possibly cover in your flesh. I have separated your sin. And if you believe that, then I've separated as far as from that wall to that wall from the to the west. He's the bridge that mankind needs. Everyone born into this world needs that bridge. That span from east to west is filled by Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I want you to know this today. Guilt has no place in the life of a Christian, if you're forgiven, Amen. we need to accept our worthiness by the blood of Jesus Christ—not yeah. in the flesh, but in the spirit. Those led by the flesh will live by the flesh. Those led by the—do we err? Yes, we do. But the point is, is that He's removed our transgressions. He's removed them. Say, "Remove, remove." Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Think about that a minute. Everything that you did and everything that you're doing and everything that you might do, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, this is my pledge to you because you're one of mine. I'll remove your transgressions as far as the east is from the west and I will take them and get rid of them. Good Isaiah 43. Hallelujah. Everybody got their Bibles today? I want you to be able to read what I'm telling you. Verse 25, Isaiah 43. Well, she's already got it. Man, how did you know that? This is a prophetic scripture. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah is so full of prophetic verses. It was quoted a lot of times by the Lord Himself. Isaiah, but long before he came, prophesied and said, I, he's talking about the Lord here. He says, I, even I am he. I am he. What's those two words that just jump right out at you when you think about it? I am. I am he. See, Pharaoh wanted to keep him in bondage. Sin wants to keep us in bondage. But we've got released from that bondage of prison. You know who did it? I am. He was there with the Father. He's there with the Holy Spirit. He said, and sin will entrap us and where we feel like slaves. But he said, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he said, well, 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 and we deal with it in our personal lives. It's like sin, sin, we got to deal with this. We gotta, but then where's that authority? Here comes the authority. He said, you tell him I am. And whenever you see I am in the scripture, Jesus is identifying who he is and who God is. I am, and it says right here, I, even I, am he that blots out your sin." Now, I've done this one other time, but I want to read the definition of a blot, to blot something out. To blot something out is to obliterate it. I want you to think about that a minute. What is he blotting out? Our transgressions, our sin. In other words, when you see, he that blots out my transgressions, He obliterates, obliterates is another word, obliterate. When you think of something being obliterated, that means just blown into pieces. It no longer exists, it's obliterated. And when you blot something out, it's obliterated, or when something's blotted out, it's to disregard, now listen to this, this is important. Disregard something painful in one's memory, or existence I want to read that again when he blots out our transgressions it literally means that our transgressions are obliterated by the grace of God you ever blow something up any of you ever blow something up when you're kids did you ever blow up frogs and stuff like that shame on you if you did I bet Jeff did I will almost guarantee you he did. no he never blew up a frog yeah you know what kids do when they get fireworks they obliterate things they try to tear things up putting them in mailboxes blowing up mailboxes obliterate they like that explosion well i'll tell you what he says he's blotted out our sin he's obliterated our sin. Can you receive that today? My sin is obliterated. To obliterate something means blot it out and it's hard even to find any pieces to it because when he cleanses, he cleanses totally. There's no marks left. The only mark that matters is the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then it also means to disregard. Here's the tough part. As human beings, it's hard for us to do this. But to blot out something means to disregard something something painful. Sin is painful, isn't it? But healing, healing's not painful. Where does healing come from? It comes from the throne of God. It says to disregard something painful in one's memory. Where do we fight most of our battles? And why do we have a constant battle going on in there? Because we have guilt. We have, as Debbie preached one time, we we just don't think that we're worthy. That see, we need to understand the love of God. If He has all authority, if He says something, then the case is closed. It's settled. See, it's settled. And we think that we're not capable or we're not worthy. No, we're not in the temporal, in the flesh, but the day he signed our name in the book, then the memory of who we was needs to go away. And even when the enemy comes, have you ever noticed sometimes that when you get ready to pray at night, weird thoughts will come into your head? Am I the only one that feels like that? You ever wonder why that shows up? I mean, that enemy, he'll just bother you every step of the way. And sometimes in your memory, you'll see images or he'll say, remember this, remember that. And if you're not careful, you'll fall for it. But when you say devil, be gone, get away from me. I know in whom I'm believing right now. And you're not gonna fill my head with this stuff because he says with all authority that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life and he's the one that put it in there and the devil ain't going to take it out. Amen. So it's obliterated. And he says that he erases painful memories or existence. He puts them out of existence. That means, that's what blot, to blot something out. 1 Peter 3.18, quickly. Jeremy's been teaching on Wednesday and it's been really good. Amen. 1 Peter, remember our theme, for God so loved, for Christ also has once suffered for sins. See, I I can forgive people in physical things, but when it comes into eternal things, I don't have the authority to do that. That's why we need a personal Savior. If someone comes to me and we've offended each other and we go according to Matthew chapter 18 and make peace with each other and do things properly, well, there's forgiveness to take place. Amen. And it'll be on, on physical grounds, but it also doesn't, doesn't hurt our eternity either <laughs> because we need to forgive one another. But he's the only one that can forgive all of us because he has all authority. See, there's no outside somebody's jurisdiction. Like states have different laws of jurisdiction. Like one county won't go into another county or or the police might stop at the river and vice versa. Well, he has all authority. That means he has no limits. That means he's the one that you go to when you got a problem because he can resolve all of that And get it off the agenda. Here we go. For he has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. Hallelujah. Come on. He might bring us to God. See, there's that span again, there's that gulf. And he filled the gulf. He filled the span. He is the bridge. He brought us to God. In other words, when we're born again, he sits at the right hand of the Father and he brings us to the Father. He said, here we are. Here they are. It's mine. Here they are. I'm glad who I belong to. And I'm glad it's your decision doesn't stop at the river. Yeah, It covers the earth. Your glory covers the earth. For Christ suffered once to just for the end, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Yeah. That quickened means made alive. Yeah. Are you alive today? Is anybody alive in here today? Is anybody alive here today? He took us off of life support. Hallelujah. Let's go. Let's keep going. Man, this is fun. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Remember our theme. God, for he has made him to be sin. Think about that for a minute. He turned Jesus into sin, to bear our sin. He made him to be sin. You know, I I, I want to share with you, you know, uh, the Romans did not invent crucifixion. It was invented or thought up, I guess. You never want to invent something like that. But it was invented by the uh, Assyrians before the time that Jesus, it was invented by them and then it passed through different cultures and different societies and it was refined, if you can say that's the right word. In other words, crucifixion was used in certain times, but every the Greeks and then the Phoenicians and then Alexander the Great and, and then the Romans are the ones that had the, the perfection of crucifixion. Perfection. They fine-tuned it. Well, when Jesus was crucified, the only ones that the Romans would crucify were deserters and insurrectionists. They wouldn't crucify their own citizens. They got another form of punishment. But if you got crucified, it was bad news. That meant you were a deserter from the fight or something along something very grave. That's who you were. Jesus took that on. And something that, you know, if you look in the scripture, there's really, there's prophetic mentions uh, of crucifixion. But it hit me a little while back that the Romans would crucify in a busy spot so that everybody could see the judgment that they meted out to rebels and insurrectionists and people that were just considered not worthy. And so they would crucify people where everybody could see. Think about this a minute. And I thought the other day it hit me when Jesus walked those roads, he would come upon scenes of crucifixion. I never realized that before because we pick it up where he starts talking about, I must go and be crucified. Well, they had to understand what he was talking about. Just imagine all those years that he was in this earth and he saw crosses that meant something. They used to leave the the body on the cross if the family didn't come and get it and it would be devoured by the scavengers. And it was a heinous form of death. And I thought for a minute, because we all know that he came and died for our sins and was crucified, dead and buried. But I came to think, this isn't something that was just sprung upon him. Are you with me? Yeah. This isn't something that was just... This is something that he knew, and he wasn't an insurrectionist. He wasn't a deserter but he had a mission and he knew what was facing him. And that just really finally sunk in on me the other day. Can you imagine him walking with the disciples and seeing a hundred crosses in a row and knowing that if that's what he had to face, that's the magnitude of his sacrifice, the magnitude of his sacrifice. Let's just imagine that for a minute. So when he was in that garden that night and said, Father, if you can take this cup away from me, please do it. And the disciples were sleeping. And in the spirit, there was all kind of warfare going on. And then he finally said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. So there was a lot in that decision. You say, well, that was the mission that had to work out that way. Well, you didn't go through it. He did. The only thing that we have to go through is accepting who he says he is. And what do we lose when we do that? Bad habits. Bad attitudes. Bad, bad, bad. So it says... He knew no sin. Think about that for a minute. He knew no sin. Not only did he become sin, he knew no sin. If you think about the magnitude of that, sin was the sin of the world was placed upon him. and it's the first time that in his body he felt sin. It was placed upon him. He knew. No, we know sin we know it that's why we need to know how bad it is and how bad we need a savior All right i'm going to finish up here it says he knew no sin that we that we might be made what the, righteous. the righteousness of god in him Amen. in him yeah. in other words we stand in the cross we stand in him and righteousness, our righteousness doesn't matter a whole lot because it always fails somewhere or another. We always have a letdown. But the righteous we have been made the righteousness of God. Two weeks ago, we shared how, where it said, "God's love is perfected in us." Amen. It's not perfected in different things. Yeah, creation is great, but His love to show how much He loves is perfected in us because we are his masterpiece. We are his workmanship and his love for us. If we didn't exist, think about it. His love is perfect because it overcome the sin because he knew no sin. It's perfect. Sin has been abolished and we become the righteousness of God in him. In other words, after you've been at this for a long time, Being a Christian, through disappointments and different things like that, it's not our righteousness, it's His that we need to seek. And we do that for... for, One more, two more... Galatians! Excuse me. Is everybody still out there? We talked about the law earlier, but now this is what it says Christ has redeemed me from the law. The Pharisees were all wrapped up in what was legal. They loved legalese. In other words, they didn't keep it simple. If they simply would have said yes, oh, my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures, and we've quoted this so many times, is when he went to church one Sunday and they handed him the book of Isaiah and he got up and read out of it like he was wont to do, you know, they had they had a knowledge of him because he went to the church there. But then when time came, and he complete, was about to begin the journey to complete the will of the Father, it said he read out of Isaiah, the Lord has sent me, and then he closed the book and handed it back, and he says, This day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your sight. Can you imagine the riot that that church broke into when he said, I am, I am, I'm the one that's coming. There's no one after me that's coming. There'll be many false Christs that arise, which we see in the world today, but I am. And today, everything that's spoken about there, I am. See, you, you can get as technical, and as biblically studied as you can, but if you don't believe the simple truth of He is, and He is the Savior, it isn't gonna do you any good. I mean, it's good to know all the Bible stuff, all the Bible scriptures and things that you can know, but you must be saved because that's the basis. You're acknowledging when He says, I am. He's redeemed me from the law, being made a curse, another prophetic scripture, because it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now, he said, what curse? Curse of all mankind. There's a curse, and it needs to be removed. He's the only one that could remove that. And how did he do it? And I shared this a couple of weeks ago. By using the implements of suffering and overcoming them. That's what gives him authority. He hung on a tree. He knew this. Cursed is every man that hangs on a three. Let's go on. Hebrews chapter nine verse twenty. Isn't it fun to have a Bible study? Yeah. Hebrews chapter nine. I'm almost getting excited here. <laughs> Hebrews nine, twenty five or twenty six, yeah. you all read that for then must he often have suffered that's if we don't understand salvation don't understand how free and how simple it is you know who salvation was complicated for the unbeliever the believer, once they cut away all the stuff, all the extra stuff, it's not complicated because we can't he's not going to the cross over and over and over and over. That's what they did in the Old Testament when they'd sacrificed a thousand cows and a thousand sheep and thousand Can you imagine the bloodbath that went on? Think about it for a minute. Everything that they did, they had a sacrifice involved in it. And it was supposed to be an appeasement. Or cleansing, you know you know the law. Well, see, he freed us from that law. We're freed from that law. We don't have to sacrifice. He came and said, I'll do this once. On. I'll do it once. Woo. Yeah. So you guys don't have to sacrifice anymore. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. You just need to believe that since the foundation of the world, but now once. In the end of the world, he has appeared to do what? To put away sin. East from the west, blot it out. Put away sin, put away sin. Hallelujah. Psalm 32, <laughs> verse 1. Are you? Thank you, Joe. Yes. Amen. Thank God. Hallelujah. This is this is like this is faith 101 here, boys. Yeah, yeah. We gotta start at the beginning. And this is what his sacrifice is. It says, Blessed is he, she, whose transgression is forgiven. Whose sin is what? covered what covered it the blood covers it we have a blood covering that's why we plead the blood over certain situations because in love we love each other because that covers a multitude of sins. who's our covering he's our covering and because of his sacrifice it says we can come boldly before the throne of grace in other words, what makes us worthy? Well, the blood makes us worthy. It starts at the blood and it ends with the blood. Amen. I hear people say sometimes, well, I don't believe in a, a faith that with all this bloodletting and everything. Well, you need to change your attitude because blood is life and blood makes things happen. Like I said last week, when you see an accident, if you see blood, it causes you to stop. And take note of what's going on. It's not just a a thumb that you jammed or something that happened to the car. When you see blood, as they said in Egypt, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. The blood has an identity. What gives the blood? Because it's, it's sanctified because the blood if if you place it in the context of Jesus shedding his blood and writing the New Testament confirmed in his blood, it takes on a whole new existence. Yeah. Think about it. It's the blood. And when you see the blood, you stop. And you say, this matters. We live, I heard a guy say the other day, they were trying to catch him in some conversation or something and he said, You know, we we live in a day where everything is something. Think about it a minute. It's kind of a backward or a play. Everything is something. And I thought, well, what's he mean by that? Everything is something. Well, we live in a culture where everything is something except the thing that's supposed to be something. I mean, we get offended if, you know, well, he didn't look at me, or they didn't do this, or they didn't do that. We live in a culture today where people basically, if they're not Christians, are toxic. Yeah, amen on that, amen, Anybody with me? Yeah. The things that my generation used to say and do and in high school that everybody thought was harmless fun, now they're gonna sell the ranch over this kind of stuff. And it's because they everything is something. Well, there's no hidden meaning of what was done in the cross. The meaning is what he said it was. I must go up and be persecuted and I'll be crucified and buried, but on the third day. Jesus. That's right. Yeah. Here's where we miss it sometimes. He didn't just stay on the cross, folks. He didn't stay there. There had to be, I've learned this from Jeremy over and over and over. The resurrection is what counts. The cross did away with the sins, but the resurrection gives us hope. Because if he wasn't raised from the dead, according to 1 Corinthians, we're not gonna be raised from the dead and we are miserable people for going through this every week until we look at it in the right way. It's simple, he says, come into his house with thanksgiving. OK, why would I want to debate that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that really what he means? Come on. My sin is covered.. Ooh. Well, did I get there? Yeah, I did oh. get there. All right. One, Acts 3:12. Hallelujah. Anybody find that yet? I've lost my verse. Bear with me. 19. Oh, yeah, there it is. Thanks, Jeremy. Olivia's got it. Repent ye, therefore. This is Peter. Repent ye, therefore, and be converted. Be converted. Be converted. Romans twelve one and 2. Be converted be converted that your sins may be what oh, yeah. obliterated yeah. erased from our consciousness yeah. it's painful to even think about some of the things that we did yeah. the enemy tries to throw him up every night and do this he's got the same old vomit he got the same old story. He uses the things, but Jesus said, and Peter's preaching and just repeating what was passed down to him, that my sins might be blotted out. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. When the times of refreshing shall come oh, yeah. from the presence of the Lord. Oh. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. You should, yes. Yeah we all should here's what I want to do I I did this specifically because the Holy Spirit told me to do it and and a lot of things in the kingdom are symbolic I mean not the Bible but a lot of the things we do have a symbolism to it and I don't expect everyone to respond just because I ask you to respond but my wife's got a dry erase board over here if you would bring that up here to me and then markers There's two markers there. And you say, well, I don't know about this. Well, I don't either, but I'm going to do it because the Holy Spirit said. You see this here? Except for these little flowers. There's nothing on this board. This is how we start out. The only sin we have is original sin, which was passed on because of the fall of man. But as we go through life, we accumulate things. That's why he said in Matthew, take my burden. Take my burden, in other words. So this is a clean slate right here. But it becomes, it becomes tainted over the years. And we won't go into specifics here this morning. (coughs) Excuse me. What's that word say? Sin? Sin. I can't write very well, that's okay. Sin, that's what starts piling up. We have premeditated sin. We have sins of commission, which means I'm gonna get you sins of commission. And we have sins of omission. For him that knows how to do it and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So there's different sin, but guess what? It's still sin. And it accumulates. And this accumulation of sin causes us not to keep the gospel simple. Because when he says, just come, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed on me. So, I don't know about you, but I put sin on there. And I'm going to, real quick, like, if you have a need, if you don't, the Holy Spirit's not mad at you. But rather than get into specifics, if you would just like to add sin to this board, then we're going to, I'm just going to let you do this, okay? Where can we put this, Jeff? Put it right here. Just put sin on there. And you don't have to. Is anybody else? Because we're going to erase this according to the word of God. No judgment in this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God.